In this episode of 2036, the podcast. I think it's the resiliency, the grit, the the capacity and the ability to fight through obstacles because you have to as an athlete, you're not always going to win. And so athletes tend to be very, very good at pushing themselves beyond the point of being uncomfortable. And that can translate to the workforce. Leadership skills are another great trait that athletes learn in their sport. Time management is another. You know, these are all transferable skills that make them great hires. Hello and welcome to 2036, the podcast. My name is Munir McJohnny and I will be your host for today. Today with us, we have Keiko Price, who is the Assistant Vice President and Director of Athletics. She oversees Emory's Intercollegiate Athletics Program, which resides in NCAA Division III. Previously, Price served as Senior Associate Athletics Director at University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, where she was sports administrator for several teams, including men's basketball. Price was a four-year member of the UCLA women's swimming and diving team, where she was a 22-time All-American who broke numerous records and was inducted into the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame in 2021. A native of Hawaii, Price holds an undergraduate degree from UCLA and a graduate degree from the University of California, Berkeley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So I wanted to start off, you know, At a university like Emory, I think everything that we do, we look at from a holistic way. So athletics isn't just basketball or swimming or tennis or just a sport, but really it's about looking at how it helps build, ensures the physical and even emotional well-being of our students. How do you think our programs work into that? Yeah, so I think of uh, well-being as encompassing five different elements. So you have the physical component, the mental, emotional, spiritual, and social. And athletics for us at Emory um, definitely supports our, our students with the physical and emotional aspects. I'll give you an example of the, the physical. You know, our athletes, they, they fine-tune their physical abilities through intense training, pushing themselves beyond the point of being uncomfortable. And they do this many, many, many hours a week through practice, through competition, through conditioning, through dry land. And um, I remember myself as an athlete 20 plus years ago, having to physically exert myself. And I miss those days. I wish I, w- I was in that type of shape, but doing sets and routines that that really made me stronger and and physically better and 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 pushed me mentally and so that's that's what our athletes do and that's what we we take our our pride in doing the 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 emotional aspect of athletics is also very very important every successful athlete at one point in their career had a had a moment when they may have lost a game or when they may have gotten second instead of first, or they didn't improve uh, over a period of time. And I think resiliency and remaining positive uh, during tough times are skill sets that our athletes have and, and carry over to their life beyond sport. Yeah. So you talked about five different aspects, uh, which was really interesting. Physical, emotional, mental, and social. I think most of the listeners, and I can understand how that comes Talk a little bit about the spiritual aspect of this. 
Yeah, I think that's, this is my definition, by the way. Um, I think, you know, whatever your faith is, um, I think it's important. And so for me, that was really instrumental in in my success uh, uh, as a person, as an athlete, who I am today, in just finding that balance, Mm. you know, in in being able to put my faith and belief and trust in something that is bigger than me, it, it helped me. And it's something that grounds me and allows me to um, maintain wellness. Absolutely. So for those of us who may be looking at this and saying, not a high percentage of students are going to get into intercollegiate sports. Why is this still important that we have a robust like intramural sports program and a sports program here? Yeah, I think intramural sports are really important uh, for our student body. It allows them to really uh, enhance their physical well-being just through the exercise component, but also mental well-being as a stress relief. You know, Emory, our Emory students have a lot to balance. They want to participate in everything, and that can be very time-demanding, can be very stressful. Uh, They're great students. They're already thinking about their careers as first-year students, and so to have an outlet Uh, is important for them, and intramurals offers that. Intramurals also allow our students to explore new physical activities they may have never been able to experience in high school. It allows them to build community and friendships. When you talk about that social element, right, the social element of, of well-being, it allows them to develop teamwork and leadership skills, which are important. And I, and I also want to mention club sports. You know, club sports are an option for our students. They're a little bit more organized than intramurals. They also help our students to accomplish and to, to experience physical and, and emotional well-being, like I mentioned before. And we offer everything from jiu-jitsu to water polo uh, to pickleball. So we have a lot of options for our Emory yeah. students. Pickleball is definitely on the rise. I'm seeing that everywhere. Yeah, I tried it for the first time during COVID, and I was awful at it, but uh, I have no hand-eye coordination. I am sure you will be okay given all (laughs) of your awards. I'd like to ask you a question that I have a lot of experience with um, in, in realms of this, if you will, especially given your background in DEI work. I grew up in Riverdale, Georgia. For those who may not know that, 90 something percent black community, mostly on the lower economic scale. And then I moved to Fayetteville, which is opposite of that. I had almost a litmus test question that I could ask my black friends that would lead me to guess their wealth status. And it was the type of sports that they played. And especially if they played a sport like baseball, I would often guess that they were higher on the economic scale, right? And and the judgment that I was making is those sports require a lot more money. They require individual aspects of things where basketball or football, you can pick up and you can have 50 people play with one ball. Mm-hmm. How do we kind of fight that? A, is that a true stereotype, right? And B, how do we fight, you know, things like that, that prevent accessibility for individuals to get into certain sports that they may want to? Yeah, I think that is... A pretty accurate assessment. You know, we call them the country club sports, right? Yes. So tennis, swimming, you have to have access to pools. Um, you have to have access to courts. You have to have access to facilities, which are not necessarily available right. in every community. And so um, exposure is is important. You know, if you're trying to diversify a sport, they need to have access and exposure uh, uh, to the sport. And so 
I know USA Swimming is really trying to diversify the sport by going into communities, by offering swim lessons at no cost. Swim lessons are very, very expensive. Right. Very expensive. Club sports cost a lot of money. Club swimming. So offering scholarships to swimmers from underrepresented communities is another way to, to really provide opportunities. So those are just a couple of examples that I think are, are worth noting to, yeah. to change the landscape. What are some of your goals at Emory to help kind of, you know, be more inclusive uh, throughout athletics here? Yeah. So one of the goals I have is to be really intentional uh, about recruiting and retaining diverse staff. So picking up the phone and, and, and asking colleagues, you know, who's, who's out there that has the talent for what I'm looking for, positions that I'm looking for. Um, another goal I have is to diversify spectatorship at our athletic events. And I think you can do that through outreach in the community, through partnerships with identity spaces here on campus and campus life. And we're moving the needle in that area. I'm really, really proud of of uh, another initiative that has just come to fruition here at Emory uh, with our black student athletes. They have um, come together and created a black student athlete group, which is called BSAG. We just had our first meeting a couple weeks ago, and this is something that's very personal uh, for me because I didn't have that support when I was at UCLA, and our black student athletes just wanted to build community. And they wanted to have others that they could share their experiences with. And then they also want to be able to give back. So there's a community uh, service component to that as well. And so uh, that has been a goal of mine. And it's, it's, we're, we're actually seeing it, it come to fruition. We did the same at University of Illinois as well. And then another um, area that our recreation department is working on is really trying to provide a safe and welcoming space for our students and staff that are here at Emory that are for marginalized communities, making them feel welcome into our fitness spaces. And that that requires providing uh, programs uh, and spaces that reduce barriers. Mm. And so we're already uh, testing that with our graduate school population by offering activities and classes at Rollins instead of expecting those students to come to the woodpeck. So meeting so. them where they are. Meeting them where they are. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially with the barriers that we often see with athletics or trying to get healthy, right? A salad costs 20 bucks, we can get a burger for a dollar. And so uh, the more barriers that we can remove, I think it's definitely a benefit for us. Exactly. I think it's only been in recent years where folks have realized that giving 100% for an athlete isn't just physical. Mm-hmm. It's mental. It's emotional. You recently wrote an article in the AJC that talked about this as well, especially with some recent controversy about athletes who may be taking a step back in where we consider perhaps that they're in their prime. How do you think this plays into at Emory our student flourishing and can help our students better themselves as well? You know, in order for us to say that we really help students flourish, I think we need to support them with mental health. All of our students, college-age students, need that support. I think it's something that we're talking about more than we did when I was in college. Our students face a lot more uh, public scrutiny through social media than I did. I don't even have social media, or at least I do, but I don't really keep up with it. And so you have all of those competing factors that can really take its toll on our students. And I I would say, you know, for our athletes, they face additional challenges 
that require special attention. So pressure to perform at a high level in their sport and being publicly scrutinized if they don't or praised if they do. Uh, injuries are, are something that our student athletes deal with from time to time and being able to cope with that uh, when the sport is either taken away for a moment or you're forced to retire early due to an injury. Our, many athletes have their self-identity tied to their sport, and that creates additional layers of challenges. And I think COVID really exacerbated all of the above. And so knowing that as I entered Emory, I really felt it was important to enhance the mental health support that we provide our student athletes. And I'm very fortunate to have had the support from Nkugalai and Campus Life in now having a embedded mental health clinician who's been wonderful. So we offer a lot of different programs for our athletes through our clinician walk and talk consultations, team sessions where the coaches sit in and they talk about sports performance, they talk about stress management. And all of this has been very, very helpful to support our athletes and what the challenges that they're yeah. going to face. I think the public really got an insight to this thanks to the award-winning series of Ted Lasso, mm -hmm. right? Where they hire a therapist for their soccer team or football as they call it. And it changes the dynamics. And I think people really saw that and saw the real work that that could do because it was something that I don't think a lot of folks realized how important the mental aspect is of everything that we do. It is. So my partner in business is an athlete and he almost always insists that we hire athletes, even though we do commercial real estate, not necessarily a transferable skill, but he's always a big proponent of this, you know, kind of aspect of resiliency. And we've seen it across our company as well. What are some of the things that make athletes so successful, you think? Yeah, I think it's the resiliency, the grit, um, some of the things I mentioned earlier, the, the capacity and the ability to fight through obstacles, because you have to as an athlete, you're not always going to win, but that doesn't mean you give up, right? Mm. And so um, athletes tend to be very, very good at pushing themselves beyond the point of being uncomfortable. And that can translate to the workforce. Leadership skills are another great uh, trait that athletes learn in their sport. Time management is another. You know, these are all transferable skills that make them great, great, great hires. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being here with us today and all the work that you're doing to make sure that our students are flourishing and our athletes have the support that they need. For those of you listening, whether you're athletes or not, next time you're getting up to do something and have the nerves or the butterflies, I hope you will remember to trust the work that you have put in and Price's definition of resiliency that things will be okay. Thank you again for Thank joining you. us. On the next episode of 2036, the podcast. Emory students are increasingly concerned about big global issues, the state of the world, climate, sustainability, democratization, political discourse um, unraveling in our society, and, and also identity and making sure that people are seen and, and included in conversations, not excluded. At the end of the day, an Emory education, a liberal arts education in particular, gives students a lot of resources and tools to solve those problems holistically. And what I want to see happen over the, over the course of the Pathway Center involvement in students' experience 
is that they're using their education to actually solve some of these problems so that their own uh, experience can be really fulfilling. And sometimes the personal goals of our students, the professional goals of our students, the answers to those questions are actually their classmates and the networks that the classmates bring to those experiences. Join host Munir Megjani and Brendan Grimmett, Vice Provost for Career and Professional Development, for a conversation on what makes a meaningful life and how we can get there. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about 2036, Emory's campaign to transform the future, visit 2036.emory.edu.